0: Get ready for Crack the Customer Code, your audio guidebook for creating incredible customer journeys.
1: Ginny, do you know what that is? Is that "Don't Fear the Reaper"? That's a little blue oyster cult. Yes, because today we're talking about cults on crack. The customer code, cults, and it should be and it should be noted for any attorneys in the office that is a fair use short <laughs> version of blue, "Don't Fear the Reaper" my Blue Oyster Cult. But yes, we're talking about cults,
2: Jeannie. That's exciting, and I bet a lot of our listeners had no idea that you played guitar, but you do. In fact, the intro—that's yeah. you playing the guitar. <laughs> On our regular intro music too, so he is (laughs) multi-talented.
1: Yes, as long as you didn't hear what I just played, (laughs) we're good. But, anyways, our good buddy Chef Hiken is on the podcast today, and he is bringing back cult. And he's a he's making cult again. He's a fellow guitar player
2: too. We should say that too.
1: Oh, and a very good guitar player. So we're we're making cult sexy again? I don't know. I don't really know how that. Phrase is. The, the Justin Timberlake? has it going?
2: Oh my goodness! I you don't do that. Um. <laughs> I can't.
1: I can't do it. I can't do it. I, I'm not. I wasn't even cool ten years ago when whatever I'm talking about was actually. A oh thing. my goodness! But anyways, so this is a. So anyways, Shep's book is fantastic, uh, and the first version was fantastic. And as you will see, Shep has updated it for you know modern times. Mm-hmm. Refresh the stories, some of the different things, and um, you know as all.
2: And by the way, we're talking about his book, Cult of the Customer, so he's got lots of books, so we should be clear that that's the one he just updated.
1: You didn't say that? That was your job. (laughs) I do do the guitar, you're on the mic, J.D. Let's just get it right. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, before we devolve into a full uh, Abbott and Costello routine here, why don't we just get the ship?
2: I think we should. There's tons of value in this interview. So everybody listen up. Shep Hyken is a customer service and experience expert and the chief amazement officer of Shepard Presentations. He's a New York Times and Wall Street Journal best-selling author and has been inducted into the National Speakers Association Hall of Fame for lifetime achievement in the speaking profession. Shep works with companies and organizations who want to build loyal relationships with their customers and employees. Shep Hyken's most requested programs focus on customer service, loyalty, internal service, customer relations, and the customer experience. He is known for his high-energy presentations, which combine important information with entertainment, humor, and magic to create exciting programs for his audiences. The one and only Shep Hyken, we are so thrilled you're with us today. Welcome to Crack the Customer Code, and hello, my friend.
0: Well, hello. Honored and flattered to be here. Thanks for having me.
1: Shep, my man. So happy to have you. And one thing you and I have in common is we are both, uh, well, sort of, in my case, rock and roll guitarists. We are. Yeah. And when you come from rock and roll, the word cult is not bad. We've got the cult. We've got Blue Oyster Cult. We've got cult of personality. But here's the (laughs) thing. In the rest of the uh, world, it can have a negative connotation. So why did you choose the word cult? And what's it mean in that context (laughs) of customer experience and customer service?
0: So, first of all, I did not choose the word cult to go in my title, cult of the customer. Actually, the publisher did. Oh. And when the publisher approached me with that idea, I wasn't sure if that's what I wanted to do. So, um, I happened to be at a meeting where the woman who came up with the Aflac commercial, Aflac, you know what I'm talking about? he <laughs> yeah. was there and she talked about why the commercial was a success. She says, you know, some people really love the commercial, a lot of people hate it because it's kind of obnoxious, but in a funny way. (laughs) But everybody sees it, hears it, and remembers it. And she said the word cult might even have the same effect if you're looking at a shelf full of business books and you see that word cult, your eyes might be drawn to it. You might be turned off by the word, but uh, the reality is you will probably notice it. Now, as far as being turned off by the word, if you look at what the true definition of cult is, sure, you've got cult-like fanatical, religious, crazy, you know, maybe they wouldn't say they're crazy, but Some of us look at that and go, wow, I don't want to be a part of that. It's a cult. But a cult is nothing more than a group of people that have a common interest that, you know, are in alignment. And it could be as simple as, hey, I want to ride my bike every Saturday. You guys want to meet me every Saturday morning at the park? And we start doing it. And it's like it becomes the routine. It's like a cult, if you will. And on top of that, cult ties into the word culture and business. And uh, it it stems from a Latin word, cultus, which means care and tending. And wouldn't it be nice to care and tend for all of our customers and our employees?
2: Oh, I like that.
0: Boom. Boom. I like that
2: very much. (laughs) Yeah. And so this is not your first rodeo with this book. So what is the... What are the differences between the new edition of your book compared to the previous edition, which everybody loved that too. So what made well, you update you. it and what are the updates that you had?
0: We
1: yeah. were all in the cult before. Now we're going to be in the new <laughs> now cult.
0: You're, you're in the cult times or cult squared or whatever. 2.0. So when I, I I looked back at this book and my new publisher said, Shep, that book was a great book. As a matter of fact, it hit the uh, Wall Street Journal bestseller list. It was, I think, number one or number two on the USA list. It was actually number one of all books sold on Amazon for like a nanosecond, like maybe a short period of time. And then it was a top business book for weeks and weeks. But anyway, uh, I digress. This book has some great stats and facts that needed to be updated. There There were some companies and stories that needed to be taken out because I left some old ones in because they're still very relevant and make a great point but I actually removed uh, a quote from a guy that is in jail right now. Uh, <laughs> don't want him around. But seriously, we got rid of uh, the um, older content and and just did a revamp on it. It's quite different. It's up to date in that respect. And I think that people who read it need to recognize there's some exercises in the back of the book, and these are the same exercises that we charge our clients for our trainers to go out and deliver. Uh, You know, when we do our half day and full day and multi-day programs, this is the same content. So we're not holding anything back. Uh, Hmm. It is, like I say, stats and facts updated, a few stories updated, a few companies taken out. But it's time to bring it back and get excited about it again.
1: Awesome. we're, We're excited. And, you know, the only thing better than being in a cult is being in five cults and yes,
0: there are five actually there's there's two or three you don't want to be in uh, <laughs> of the five and by the way I'm very excited because as we're doing this show the last I, I have not received my copies until today and the oh my book, goodness you know, yeah so I'm you know I'm very excited to actually see awesome. a real copy and I haven't opened the box yet because we had to do our show so but I'm sure it's going to be a momentous occasion when I get to it but yes there are Five
1: cults yeah well t- tell us a little bit about those those phases customers go through the the five cults you have in the book,
0: sure, and you can call them phases, steps, whatever, but every customer goes through this and, and ironically every every uh, employee goes through the same type of of uh, step stepping toward what I call the cult of amazement uh we don 't need to talk so much about customers today, but but here's the Id- i mean it's not customers about employees we 'll talk about customers the first time somebody does business with somebody, a company, a person. They may have heard great things or not. They're uncertain. That's why we call it the cult of uncertainty. You're in this phase. I heard they're great. Well, let's find out, shall we? And then we start to do business with them and we get into alignment with the way they like to do business. Maybe we hear a brand promise. Maybe we're talking to a salesperson that's promising something, or maybe we're just beginning to understand the philosophy and the culture of this company that we want to do business with. It Could be a retailer, could be B2B, doesn't matter. Then you move into experience. This is where you're actually getting your, your real experience, your first experience, maybe even your second and third experience. And you're saying, "Yep, yeah, I kind of like what's going on. By the way, that's I hope that you like what's going on. You could be going the other direction. If you are, regardless, what happens in the next cult is you move from the experience to where whatever's happening to you is predictable. So I know it's going to be great. Or every time I do business with these people, something always bad happens. But if it's predictable, you are now in the cult of ownership. Your customer owns their experience because they know that when they do business with you, this is the way it's going to be. Ideally, it's positive. You know, they always call me back. They always are, are easy to work with. They're always so friendly. They're always so knowledgeable. That word always followed by something positive is not only getting you into ownership, which is where the word always belongs, but that positive gets you into the next cult, the ultimate cult, the fifth cult, and that is the cult of amazement. Amazement, my definition is simply above average. And when you are consistently and predictably above average, that's where you are operating at a point where your customers say, always friendly, always knowledgeable, always nice, et cetera, et cetera. And by the way, even when there's a problem, I know I can always count on them. So what happens when that first problem takes place, you are in the cult of amazement, you immediately move that customer back to uncertainty and you quickly show them why they are happy to do business with you as you move them right back up to amazement by the way you take care of them. So if that all makes sense. Love
1: that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I love it. And I love that you know, you uh, basically put in the reality of reactive service, right? That we're going to either drop the ball or just miss expectations or whatever it may be, even once we've amazed them. And you sort of got to start over in a way. I mean, you're not really starting from fresh, as we all know. But the idea that you're going to work your way back up through the cult. So do you do you approach that uh the amazement cult from that perspective both a sort of a maintenance and also a, a recovery aspect?
0: Well, recovery is interesting because I think the best companies are not perfect. I mean, you can look at the greatest iconic companies in the world from, you know, brands recognized for service like Ritz-Carlton and Amazon. They're not perfect. But what happens is they have this system in place that when you're finished with the situation, you oftentimes have more confidence in the company than if the problem had never happened at all. And that wasn't because you just reacted to it, it was because you planned what would happen if and when the problem took place. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, Because I
2: think that is a piece that a lot of times when we talk about ideal customer experiences, or really mapping out what that ideal looks like, uh, people skip that. They don't think about what will happen when things do go wrong or when a customer doesn't get what they want. So I think it's really critical that you included that. And I love that it's part of that amazement because yeah. that's what we say about brands we love. We say, even when this happened, they did this.
0: Yep. And they're amazing.
2: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I'm making, you can't see me, but I'm making a heart with my hands. I um, <laughs>
0: So the point that you're making, there's an exercise in the back of the book. It's a worksheet that you print out, you share. And actually, if you go to the website, cultofthecustomer.com, you can print these worksheets out. And uh, here's a secret. You don't even have to buy the book to print the worksheets out. But don't tell anybody. Uh, But one of the worksheets is what we call the moment of misery grid. Uh, I call it that. And we sit down with the team and we say, hey, what are the top... Uh, And you you can do this in small groups. If you've got a group of 10, 12, you can break them up into two or three people each and say, what are the top complaints or problems that you hear about from customers? And it's really interesting. Oftentimes, many of them will be the same. Once in a while, there's an outlier. But what we do is we then ask everybody to say, okay, which ones do you think are the most important to tackle first? And we line them up uh, on a wall. We write them down in order of what we want to hit first. We only try to hit one or two at a time. But here's my point. When somebody says, you know, it's like, here's the problem, Uh, here's how often it happens, here's what I think a good solution might be. You brainstorm out that solution. But when I look at that middle column, how often does it happen? I have to wonder why doesn't it happen? Why does it happen at all? If people say, oh, this happens all the time, Mm -hmm. well, stop it. Yeah. (laughs) Do you remember that Bob Newhart video? Uh, If you ever have a chance, go to. Go to uh, YouTube and type in Bob Newhart Stop It. It's an old video (laughs) where, you know, this woman comes in and she's got a problem. He's a psychiatrist from his old TV show. And and, and he goes, I have two words for you. Stop it. Just stop it. (laughs) It's like same thing with customer complaints. Just Mm -hmm. stop it. If there's something that's happening over and over again, sure, there's things that you can't control. But you should at least be able to mitigate, if not eliminate them, with enough thought.
2: I think that's so funny. It's like that old doctor joke. It Doctor, it hurts when I do this, so stop doing that. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So you mentioned this earlier, but I'd love to dig into this a little bit more because there, we all know there is such a connection between employee experience and customer experience. So you say that the employees actually go through these same five phases. So can you tell us a little bit about how this impacts the employee journey as well?
0: Sure, almost identical. As soon as somebody comes to work for a company, Uh, Are they excited to get there if, if, you know, hopefully they're excited about the new job and they anticipate what it's going to be like. Maybe they've had a great set of interviews. Maybe they've heard people working there. They're still uncertain until they get there. Once they're there, they're onboarded, which is similar to getting a customer into alignment with the values, goals, and the proposition you make for the customer. We're doing the same thing in the onboarding process. And then they start to experience day in and day out what it's going to be like to work at this company. And once they start to get comfortable, sometimes it takes a few weeks, sometimes it takes much longer. In some cases, it's pretty short, depending on what the, what the job is. But they start to own their experience. They know what it's going to be like when they go to work every day. They love the team they work with. They love the boss they work with. They love the activities that they do, the role and responsibility they have. And again, as long as that's positive and it's owned, they're now working for The amazing company. You know, I love working for this company. They're so amazing. I'm so lucky to have this job. By the way, I'm an optimist, but I will tell you, there are plenty of people out there that unfortunately are saying uh, the opposite. You know, they meet a boss. They don't like the boss. They're struggling with somebody on their team. It's not the most pleasant experience, but it is an owned experience. They know what work's going to be like. And maybe at this point, they're just working for a paycheck. And at that point, they've almost checked out and they could be however what i refer to as a force within there's three forces of a company there's a force of one for a small entrepreneurial venture it could be one person who just is amazing and sets the tone for everything there's the force within which is a person inside an organization that may have uh, a rough reputation but this person chooses to step up and be their best think of the airlines that occasionally cause passenger struggle It's his struggle. And then you meet the wonderful gate agent or the reservationist or the, you know, customer service rep that's going to just magically take care of it. That is the force within. And then there's a force of many where everybody's in alignment. But if you are in that ownership mode of not being happy with your job, you are never going to hit amazement. As a matter of fact, one day you're going to hit a new job because you're going to find somewhere else you'd rather work or somebody's going to ask you to leave.
1: Yeah, 100%. And, you know, one of the things I'd love to just call out is that first cult, because I think one of the things we often, both on the customer side and the employee side, forget about is how much uncertainty matters and how much those first moments, first days, first weeks really cements your relationship, both with the customer and a new employee. And I love that you use that word uncertainty, because I think that's a great frame for how to look at it and how to approach what you're trying to solve then. You're trying to give confidence and certainty, both in the customer and the employee
0: relationship. Yeah, so we need to move people out of uncertainty as quickly as possible. Not hard to do, okay? We've made we've made a promise. Uh, it could be in the form of a tagline. It could be something internal. One of the things we talk about in the book is the mantra, and that is my word, the, and, and everybody kind of knows what the mantra is. So, you know, if you meditate, you know, um, um, you know, the mantra. So my version of it is a one-sentence statement that identifies what your vision is for customer service and experience. My favorite is the Ritz-Carlton, where ladies and gentlemen serving ladies and gentlemen, nine words long. They call it a credo. Uh, My version of it is a mantra. Uh, I have a mantra here at Shepherd Presentations, our company. We want to be amazing. So it's always be amazing. Be amazing to the people we work with, the clients we do business with, and we want to teach them to be amazing for their clients as well. Hence why I write these books and speak, you know, is to help teach this information and and this idea. So um, these those three words always be amazing. Ace Hardware, uh, who I wrote a book uh, featuring them throughout the book is, you know, the helpful hardware place. That's four words long. And when you can hang on to that, that mantra, you can hang on to that statement. And it's so easy for everybody to remember because it's one sentence or less. And it's easy to train to. That's what the Ritz does. They have this nine word you know, credo, they call it. And everybody that comes in, learns it. And then everybody's trained to it. They have 24 gold standards in order to deliver on the, we're ladies and gentlemen serving ladies and gentlemen credo.
2: Mm. So Shep, you have so much information. You always do. All of your books are packed with value. And when you go speak about these things, there's so much for somebody who's just learning all this, who's just thinking about it. I mean, just this week, I talked to somebody who reached out to me at uh, on LinkedIn. And he said, uh, you know, I went to this meeting and my manager used this term customer experience and I had never thought of it before. Oh, <laughs> like people, uh, <laughs> people are still learning still this. Today. Yes, exactly. Have we not and, hit a
0: tipping point yet? I mean, <laughs> no, we have not. <laughs> well,
2: great time I think so, I, you know, and he was like, then I went into the, you know, he searched and he realized that a bunch of us talk about this, but uh, you know, if somebody were to walk away from this interview or, Think about picking up your book. What is one thing you want everybody to walk away with?
0: Ah, I love the one thing question. And I've already mentioned it. Uh, the, the concept of amazement. Remember, above average, but it's all the time. It's that consistent and predictable above average experience. When you put it in terms of just being above average, it becomes attainable for everyone. A lot of people think amazement is over the top, blow me away. Well, that happens when it falls in your lap. A complaint is made and you're able to go above and beyond. But until they make the complaint, it's business as usual. Maybe you're a server at a restaurant. You overhear a couple talking about it being their 10-year anniversary, and you surprise the couple with a cake. But you can't do that every time. So what you must focus on is being a little better than average. Horse Schultz, the first president and co-founder of the Ritz-Carlton. You can see I love the Ritz-Carlton. And I love Horst Schultz, just one of my customer service heroes and, and or experience heroes, however you want to look at it. He said to be one of the best brands in the world, it's not that difficult in theory. It's just being 10% above average all of the time. Now, I've been preaching be a little bit above average, and he put a number to it on a scale of one to five. One to five, you know, one bad, five amazing. threes in the middle. It's average. So if you're a 3.3 or better, never dipping to a three you will deliver on amazement. Again, once in a while, you're going to drop down to a one when there's a complaint, but you Zoom people right back up to it because they tell you about the problem and you prove to them that you get it fixed. So that's what I would say. Amazement's within the reach of everybody. So uh, just a little above average all of the time. That's and outstanding.
2: That. And you you summarize that as a person. <laughs> you're yes. you're, you you're always amazing, chef.
0: Yeah. So thank, thank you so thank much. You. And I so much appreciate you guys. Thanks for having me.
2: Well, absolutely. And how can people find you if they want to know more?
0: Well, you can go to cultofthecustomer.com for the book or just go to hiking.com to meet me.
2: Excellent. Thank you so much, Shep. We love having you.
0: Thank you. Great to be here. Thanks, Shep. It's awesome.
2: You know, Adam, if, if it's really about being, you know, 10% better, if this is what amazement means, then do you think we're getting there or are we at like 8 or 9%? <laughs>
1: We society or we crack the customer code? I'm not sure who we're talking about right now.
2: <laughs> I'm thinking about crack the customer code, but yeah, it, society, I don't think is getting there. I think they need, they've got some work to do to be amazing. <laughs> but this particular show, I think, was definitely delivering on the amazement quality with Shep because there's so much value in what he says. And I loved how he talked about how employees actually go through these same, you know, cults as customers. And how important that is, especially in today's market, um, because otherwise they they leave you just like customers. Yeah,
1: it's that same process. I mean, that starting from that uncertainty we talked about all the way mm-hmm. to that cult of amazement. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, Jeannie, I think, you know, you're talking about 10% improvements, 8% improvements, but the real thing to know is when Chef's on the podcast, our amps go to 11, Jeannie.
2: <laughs> Have you been dying to say that the whole time? <laughs>
1: <laughs> Not really. It just came to me, but I'm just going to say it now. <laughs>
2: Yeah, no, that's well played, especially with the two guitar players. Well, we hope you got a ton of amazing content from today and every day here at Crack the Customer Code. And you know what we love? We love our amazing listeners who provide us some ratings and reviews and share the love, right? Share this podcast far and wide and let us know what you think. We always love your feedback as well. should you
1: background music while you talk. Keep talking. That's awesome.
2: okay i'm ready thank you so much for listening to crack the customer code crack the customer code is a proud member of c-suite radio be sure to check out all the great business content at c-suite radio.com and c-suite tv.com we really appreciate you spending your valuable time with us I'm Jeannie Walters, and sign up for my 21-day free customer experience challenge at experienceinvestigators.com.
1: See, I did that dramatic stop right when you hit your company part. That <laughs> was on purpose, know I wanted to set you up. And I'm I am Adam. Hum. I'm Adam DeBork, and you can absolutely not hear me play guitar at customersinvestigators.com, <laughs> but you can get all kinds of customer service, training, keynote speaking, and customer experience advisory. Until next time, take care of yourself.
2: And take care of your customers.